Hey, everybody, I'm not there this weekend for obvious reasons. Woo! Say, hey, Charlie. Um, but, you know, I got my friend Ray McElroy. Ray's been, uh, he was a Bears player. He's been the chaplain for the Bears uh, and had me come down and do chapel for him. And he, he's just a great guy. You're going to love hearing him speak. Um, but I just need to point out something very, very important. When Tressman came to be the coach of the Bears, he did away with the chaplaincy program. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know if you can do addition, but put two and two together, ladies and gentlemen. Don't mess with God. Bye-bye, Tressman. Okay, that's all I have to say. So would you please welcome, bless you, my friend, bless you again, Ray McElroy. What else can you say about Pastor Tim Harlow? Just... This is why I'm here. I just love this guy. Hey, well, God bless you, everybody. Good morning. Happy Sunday to you. And uh, from my family to yours, I officially want to wish you all a happy new year. Uh, I want to say this. I haven't said this yet, but this is my third service. And uh, man, I just love your worship band. Like, for real. Like. I told, him, I told him last night, I'm like, man, it took everything in me not to run up here and just get after it with y'all. <laughs> I was just feeling that, man. God Almighty rushing. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Get some of that. It's awesome. I love worshiping Jesus. Amen. Hey, uh, I'm so happy to see all of you guys here. And I know the weather is kind of crazy, but it's great to see so many of you guys because you guys... First Sunday of the uh, new year, you could be doing anything this weekend. You could be hanging out with your fam, kicking it on vacation, watching playoff football, you know, playing hooky from church. How many of y'all like to play hooky from church besides me and Pastor Tim sometimes play hooky <laughs> from church? I mean, this guy played hooky from church. I heard about this guy. Um, he decided to go hiking on a Sunday in the outdoors. How many of you guys, you like the outdoors, you like to hunt, fish, hike, all that kind of, yeah. So this guy decided to do it on a Sunday, got deep in the woods, and everybody, he ended up getting lost and getting chased by a grizzly bear. Yeah, yeah, like a big, you know, you see a grizzly bear, and you think they're big, sloppy, uncoordinated animals. Grizzly bears are fast and very coordinated, right? And so the grizzly bear is coming, <laughs> chasing this guy. This guy's running, gets to the edge of the cliff, there's a 50-foot drop, and the bear's closing in on them. And isn't it amazing, folks, how we learn how to pray when we're in trouble? <laughs> this guy drops to his knees and is just like, Lord, I know I'm supposed to be in church. I know I was playing hooky. But if you would just hear my prayer, God, if you would just turn this bear into a Christian, <laughs> turn the bear into a Christian, God, everything will be all right. Just as the bear's about to strike his fatal blow, y'all, the bear stands up on his hind legs puts his paws together and says, Lord Jesus, thank you for this food I'm about to eat. <laughs> Everybody, as I was praying about what I'd share with you guys this weekend, God dropped this idea in my spirit from the book of Isaiah chapter 43. If you have your Bibles or your smartphones or tablets and you want to follow along with us in Isaiah chapter 43, we'll have the scriptures up on a board as well for you, for those of you who don't have that. Isaiah chapter 43, um, we're going to be dealing with a couple of different versions uh, today, but I want to start off by reading the King James Version of Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18. It says this, it says, uh, Remember not 
the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And for our time together this morning, everybody, I want to talk to you from this idea of the next chapter. The next chapter. As we move hurriedly into 2015 and we're already here, I uh, just want to examine the audience. Do I got any book, book lovers in here? You love to read. A few of you, very, very good. Now, how many of you, um, you were reading a book and it, it was okay, but then you got this book. And this book just literally just captured you, right? I mean, you only meant to read for like maybe 25, 30 minutes because you had some other things to do. But then you looked up and two hours had gone by and you still in that book, right? Because the next chapter just kept getting better and better building on the previous chapter. Any, any, anybody here like that? Maybe a bunch of y'all don't like to stimulate your minds. Uh, what about, uh, uh, do I got any NFL fans in the room? Where are my NFL people? There we go. Okay, I knew I was in the right building. Now, this is a super exciting time in our game, right? Well, unless maybe you're a Bears fan, and we won't talk about that today, I promise you. This is a super exciting time in our game because this weekend, what happened? Playoffs, right? Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. The playoffs happened this weekend, and for 12 NFL teams this weekend, they literally get an opportunity to begin again with a clean slate. Because what they did in the regular season, along with all the stress and the mistakes and the criticism from the press and the pundits examining and pulling apart every single play, every single snap, every single game, right? Drama from the media, being talked about and ridiculed by fans, by fans <laughs> that eat, sleep, and worship the NFL. You know, fans that call in the sports radio and hit their social media pages talking about that quarterback that's getting paid all that money playing like hot garbage. I know nobody in here, but y'all know some folk like that that do that, <laughs> right, right? All of that drama, the anxiety of whether the team is going to make it to the postseason or not is over because as of this weekend for 12 NFL teams, what happened in the regular season is old news. Yeah, whatever your, play, whatever your record was then doesn't matter now because everyone in the playoffs starts off with a brand new record. There are times when it didn't look very good. The odds were stacked against us. In fact, there were stretches in the season where it looked like it was all over. But despite the odds, we're still alive and we're still in it. Yeah, some of y'all still think I'm talking about football right now. Yeah, whatever opportunities a person failed to take advantage of in the old season doesn't factor into the equation now because in this new season, in this next chapter, there are brand new opportunities before you now waiting to be realized. And why? Because everybody, it's 2015, and it's a brand new season. Everybody, we have officially arrived at the next chapter of our life. And ladies and gentlemen of Parkview, can I tell you something? Congratulations, you made it. Some of you sitting there right now, you're thinking, well, Ray Shu, you don't know my story, you don't know my situation. I still got some struggles I'm going through. I still got some ob obstacles that I'm dealing with. I still got some issues in my life that I'm fighting through. Uh, but guess what, everybody? Uh, I can say that you made it because, everybody, you're still here. 
Somebody say, I'm still here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know you made some mistakes. I know some of you fought through some tough battles. I know some of you may have even lost some battles along the way. Some of you, your adversary threw everything at you but the kitchen sink. Some of y'all in here, you know what it's like to cry all by yourself. But can I tell you, tell you something? Everybody, you're still here. They talked about you, but you're still here. The people that said they was with you and going to be with you for all your life, they left you in 2014, but you're still here. They tried to knock you down, but you're still here. You dealt with death in 2014, but praise be the God, you're still here. And because you're still here, Parkview, I believe that God sent me to tell somebody that he wants to do a new thing in your life, in this next chapter of 2015. I want to read this verse one more time in Isaiah King James Version. It says, remember not the things, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I told you guys uh, I'll be dealing with a couple of different versions, and when I preach, and a lot of times I like to pull verses apart in different versions of the Bible. So I pulled this same verse up in a New Living Translation, and it reads like this. You guys are going to like this. Verse 18 says, but forget all that. <laughs> Dude, see? See? Yeah, yeah. That's New Living Translation. I tell you, I love that, man. If God gave me permission to write the Bible, I'd write it just like that. Man, Ray, I'm going through so much stuff. What should I do? Man, but forget all that. That's how I'd write it. I love it. He says, it's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. Watch this. He says, for I'm about to do something new. Can I make a statement for 9 o'clock this morning? God is always wanting to do something new. Okay, let me come over here because they didn't. I'm <laughs> God is always wanting to do something new. Yeah, yeah, I, I, need, I need you to catch it. I need you to catch it. I like the second part. He says, watch this. He says, see, I've already begun. Hey, what's at the end of that uh, begun? Do y'all see that? What, what is that? It's an exclamation point, right? And what does an exclamation point mean? What, what, what does an exclamation point mean? Am I giving it away? What, 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 what does it mean? Exciting. Exciting, right? Hey, can I make this statement? Not only... Is God always wanting to do something new? But can I say, say, say this to you? God gets excited about doing some new stuff. He gets excited about opening new doors. He gets excited about exposing us to new opportunities. Come on, church. How many people don't get excited about new stuff? See, the women right there, that was your cue to shout. Woo, yes, Jesus, the mall. Thank you. Hallelujah. A new ring, yes, God, yes, right? Hey, we're on the other side of Christmas, and uh, my children are here. Hey, babies, I see y'all in the back. That's my, that's my squad back there. Yeah, love y'all. I got a 16-year-old, a 14-year-old, a 13-year-old, and an 8-year-old, and at Christmas time, yeah, yeah, you praying for me? <laughs> Three girls, too, you pray for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and at Christmas time, how we do it is we send them up to, to, to their rooms, and they all stay in one room. And that's just pandemonium because they're just bouncing off the walls, jumping off the bed, swinging on the ceiling fans, because they're so excited because they know that while they're up in their room, 
mom and dad is downstairs putting a whole bunch of new stuff under the tree for them. And so they don't sleep the whole night, and then they come bright and early banging on our door because we tell them that you can't go downstairs until we take you downstairs. So they come banging on the door, it's Christmas time! It's Christmas, it's 5.45 in the morning, right? But they're so excited because they know that under that tree there's gonna be some new stuff for them. Hey, can you get the picture of your heavenly father leading us, his children, into 2015 to unwrap a whole bunch of new stuff, new possibilities, new blessings, right? Oh, come on, ladies. How many of y'all are Oprah people in here? I know you're still in withdrawal because her show don't come on every day anymore, <laughs> right? But what was the most famous Oprah show in history? Somebody tell me. There it is, right? That thing was, a, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car, everybody gets a car, <laughs> right? Man, it was pandemonium. Women was doing backflips, pod passing out, slapping each other in the aisles. That thing made international news, right? Why? Because people get excited about new stuff. Everybody, can I submit to you this morning? that our Heavenly Father is just like that. That He is always wanting to do something new. And everybody, He gets excited. He gets excited about doing new things. And everybody, sometimes those new things, they do include new challenges. Amen, somebody. But even then, guys, we can be excited because we understand the nature of our God is not to allow new issues and new challenges in our life to eliminate us. But he allows those things to equip us and elevate us so that we're prepared for him to take us into the next chapter of our lives. That's why he does it. Everybody, our God is always wanting to do new things. And so as we issue and move into this next chapter, the question is, everybody, uh, how do we position ourselves to walk with God as he unveils the next chapter in our life? I got three quick things for you really quickly. The first thing that we have to do is we have to forget about the then. Somebody say forget about the then. Okay, that's y'all kind of like, what in the world? Let me, let me, let me break that down. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 43, uh, we, we know if you, do the, the, if you read a little bit before chapter 43, what was happening in Scripture, everybody, is God's chosen people, the children of Israel, had been through a whole lot of bondage. They had been through a whole lot of stuff. They had been, previous to chapter 43, taken over by the Babylonians. They had been taken over by the Assyrians. People that did not know God, did not love God, uh, they were oppressed. They were, their homeland had been burned down. They had been just under this oppressive just disruptive, just hard rule. They were in a season of their life where everything was really difficult. They were in a season of their life where every time they turned around, there was a new challenge, a new issue, a new obstacle, uh, 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 something that was always holding them down. And I wonder if I got any real people in the room that you understand what it's like to be in a season of your life where it seems like everything was going wrong. Seems like that, that this thing would never turn around for you. Do I got any real people in the room that know what that's like? 
And yeah, and so, and so here's Isaiah who shows up in chapter 43 with a word from the Lord that says, all right, God's people, I know what you've been through in the past, but God sent me to inform you with some good news. Listen, I need you to forget all that. All that stuff you've gone through in the old season, in fact, he says it like this. He says, remember not the former things, nor consider, somebody say consider, the things of old. That word consider literally means to dwell on. And so when I was thinking about what is he saying here, and I was thinking about, all right, God, when, you, when you're asking your people to remember not, to not consider, are you saying just to forget about all that stuff? Are you saying that we should not remember? Let me tell you how he, he explained this verse to me. Um, where is it at? Here it is. How many of y'all, you got a cell phone? Right? And how many of you all, you got a camera on your cell phone? Right. And how many of you all, uh, uh, you take pictures with the camera on your cell phone? A few people? Okay. Beautiful. Okay. Uh, when you take pictures with your phone, what's the purpose of taking a picture? To remember, right? To capture a memory. Right? And, and, and so it's not that God is saying that I don't want you to remember. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, verse 2 and 7, if you want to write this down and read it later, the Bible talks about back in the day, God encouraged his people to remember. In fact, he, he, I'm a paraphrase, but he says it's just like this. He said, I don't want you to forget about all the things you've gone through. I don't want you to forget about the challenges, the struggles that you've gone through. I don't want you to, rem- uh, to forget about the lessons that you learned. In fact, what I want you to do is I want you to teach them to your children. Teach them to your children's children. They need to know everything that you've been through in the past. Why? Because those uh, who fail to learn from the past are doomed to repeat it. Amen, somebody. And so it's not that God didn't want us to remember all of those things that happened in the day. What he's saying is, everybody, I just don't want you to get stuck there. I'm going to give it to you the way he gave it to me. He says it like this. He says, our memories are meant as a place to reminisce, not as a place to remain. Somebody need to tweet that. I'm going to say it again. Our memories are meant as a place to reminisce, not as a place to remain. In other words, it's okay to revisit the past, everybody, but we're not supposed to live there. How many of y'all know folks like this? I got folks like this in my family. I got some people, uh, some old friends. You, you don't see them like I mean, every, every day. Maybe you see them like once a year, once every other year. But when you see them, it's like already all over them, right? They like kind of like stuck in yesterday. Y- y- y'all, know, y'all know some folks like that? Yeah. You can see it when they walk up to you. I mean, you're like, hey, man, what's going on, man? Uh, 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 what's new? Nothing. Nothing. Hey, man, uh, 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 what's going on with you? Uh, 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 what's happening in your life? Not much. Not much. Where you been since high school? Nowhere. I ain't, I ain't been. <laughs> Y'all got some phone like that? They're just stuck. Right? And then when you actually enter into conversation with them, everything they talk about is what happened way back then. Right? Man, you remember we was in high school and we stole your mom's car? And we went to see the Eminem concert. Man, that was amazing. Wasn't that cool? Those were great times. Well, those were the best times of my life. Right? First of all, I'd be like, how you going to bring that up in front of my kids, man? I mean, that ain't cool. I don't need them to know about all that. Right? But then the second thing I think about is the best times of my life, everybody, 
wasn't 15 years ago. Wasn't 25 years ago. I'm living the best times of my life right now because my God is alive and present right now. I'm walking in the best times and the blessed times of my life right now. Somebody say amen. Because my God is real and he's alive. Everybody, in order to take this next step and move into this next chapter, we got to forget about the then. You know, those, those things that happened to you, God had a purpose and a plan for it. But don't allow that stuff to keep you bound up and trapped and stuck in yesterday. In order to move to this next chapter, number one, we got to forget about the then. But number two, everybody, we got to believe in the now. Somebody say believe in the now. Yeah, we got to believe in the now. Let me show you. I'm back in uh, the King James Version. Here we go. The next part of that verse says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Okay, let me, uh, I'm going to slow this down a little bit because they, they missed the shout part. Okay, let me, here we go. It says, behold, I am doing a new thing. The next word says, now. Now we are, we are almost there. We are almost there. We are almost there. He said, he said, he said, watch this. He says, behold. As a matter of fact, somebody say, behold. behold. That, that word literally means, hey. Don't miss this. <laughs> then he says, he says, I am doing. Somebody say, am doing. Yes. Now, I was pretty good at English. It was one of my favorite subjects growing up. Uh, that phrase, am doing, what, what tense is that, everybody? Oh, y'all such a good class. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Present tense. He says, behold, I'm doing this thing presently. What's the next word say? Now. Somebody say, Now. In other words, what God is saying is, if you would lift up your head and take your eyes off of what happened to you in the past, you would see and recognize that I'm doing a brand new thing right now. I'm working faithfully and mightily in your life right now if you just pick your head up and give it some attention. Some of us, we can't worship God the way we need to worship God because we can't see what he's doing right now because we're stuck in yesterday. God is moving right now. And it's marvelous in our sight if we give us some attention. And everybody, listen, it takes some faith to grab hold of this thing, to not allow yourself to get stuck in what used to happen or what happened back in the day, but really grab hold of what God is doing right now. It takes faith. Uh, what is faith, by the way? Somebody define me. Faith is what? I heard it. I heard it. I got a Bible scholar in the room. Well, Ray, you know, faith is a substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen, right? That's Hebrews 11.1, 1, right? And so I, I, I got a 17-year-old like, what that mean? I'm going to break it down for you, buddy. Here it is right here. <laughs> New Living Translation says it like this, Hebrews 11.1. 1. I like this. I love, in case y'all can't tell, I, I love the NLT. Just for the language. He says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for, everybody, will actually happen. Like this. He says, it gives us assurance about things we cannot see. So in other words, when I read that, what I got from that is, everybody, true faith is confidence now. Uh, King James Version says that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. True faith, Parkview, is having a confidence in God now. 
that what he says he's going to perform if we just give him the, op- the room to operate. Somebody say, now. Yeah. Uh, I got to tell you the story. Um, I played in the NFL for six seasons. I played for the Colts for four years. I played for the Bears in 2000. I played for the Lions in 01. And between my fourth and fifth year, guys, I was out of the league for a whole season. I was out of the league. But I still wanted to play football. And so I'm from Chicago, from the west side, and I was back home driving uh, around Thanksgiving time, which is right in the middle of the football season, right? And I'm driving, and I was, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but I was on the south side driving back home. At, at the time, I was still, where was I living? Um, I was still in Indianapolis, so I was standing with my parents in Bellwood, and uh, we were driving by uh, on Lakeshore Drive, and you know on Lakeshore Drive, that's where Soldier Field is, right? And so we're driving by Lakeshore Drive, and uh, I remember thinking, you know, I had always told my mom, you know, mama, one day I'm going to play in that stadium. I'm going to play it. And you know, mama's like, oh, yeah, that's so great, baby. Yes, yeah, that's good. <laughs> so driving by Lakeshore Drive, and everybody, I heard the Lord speak to my heart. And he said this. He said, I want you to call the Chicago Bears, the defensive coordinator there, and ask him for an opportunity to make your ball club, to make their ball club uh, next season. I'm like, you know, God, People just don't call the Bears and ask for a job. They don't quite work that way. I was like, okay, but well, I got to figure that out. All right, if you're telling me to do it, you must be doing it for a reason. So I get back to Indianapolis after the holiday weekend, and I had uh, one of my ministry mentors, and I shared with her what the Lord had spoke to me. She was like, okay, well, that, that happened on a Friday, and it's Monday. Uh, when you going to call them? And me you know, leaning on my own understanding, you know, I'm like, well, you know, I'll call them after the season, you know, because after the season, you know, everything's calmer and there ain't no pressure going on, all that kind of stuff. And uh, do I got any people that used to watch Sanford and Son in, the, in San, Sanford and Son? Yeah. I knew I was in the right place. I love y'all. Man, do you, do you know a Fred Sanford spirit jumped on my ministry mentor? And she was like, you big dummy. Basically, what she was saying to me was, uh, Ray, don't you know that when God tells you to do something and he doesn't give you a, a specific time to do it, that usually means he wants you to do it now. And so I was like, snap. Well, this is going to be real embarrassing because people just don't call the bears for a job. So I called up to the complex. I said, uh, can I speak to Greg Blosh? I was like, I, I'm going to go right to his voicemail. It's crazy. Greg Bloss, by the way, was the defensive coordinator at the time. And uh, the operator's like, hold, please. And um, he picked up the phone. He was like, Greg Bloss speaking. I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> then I was like, Greg. He was like, who is this? I was like, it's Ray McElroy. He was like, Ray Mack, what's up, baby? How you doing? Now, let me give you a, a, a precursor. Uh, who did I tell you I played for first? Well, y'all paying attention. I love it. Yes. So I played for the coach first, and I played for them for four years. What you didn't know, what I didn't tell you, is that Greg Blosh, everybody, was a defensive line coach for the Colts. And so even though he was not my direct, because I played defensive back. We'll, we'll talk about that another time for y'all. Like, what the heck is that? We'll talk about that later. All right. But I played defensive back. He was a defensive line coach, and uh, he wasn't my direct uh, you know, person. He wasn't over me, but we knew each other very well. 
And so he got to watch me for four years. And so it wasn't technically a cold call, but I still didn't think I was going to be able to get to him. And so he was like, Ray Mac, what's going on, man? I was like, man, everything's all right. But Greg, hey, I'm calling because I was hoping you'd give me an opportunity to make your ball club next season. You know what he said? He was like, sure, Ray Mac, that won't be no problem. I was like, it is not that easy. It is not that easy. And so, have you ever been so excited and overwhelmed by what God is doing, how he just opens a door for you, that you just say just stupid stuff just out of your mouth? Anybody beside me? Yeah. And so, I was so excited. I was like, well, man, thanks, Greg. Can I do something for you? I'm unemployed. What am I going to do for this guy? I was like, that's the dumbest thing you could have ever said. But then I was like, can I pray for you? You know what he said? He's like, well, Ray Mac, yes, you can. He said, my sister is very ill. The doctors don't think she's going to make it. And I'd really appreciate it if you pray. Wow. Parkview, I learned something very valuable that day. See, I was so caught up in how what God was telling me to do was going to impact me and affect me that I couldn't and missed the, the fact that God very rarely tells us to do something, church, and it's solely just about us. And if I hadn't moved now, at that moment, I may have missed an opportunity, number one, not only for my blessing to continue my football career, but more importantly, everybody, to minister to that man that desperately needed it, that didn't know who God was. But watched a Christian for four years prior and knew that when a Christian said, can I pray for you? He was like, that guy I know. That guy I watched. That guy I know is real. And that guy, if he says he's going to pray, he'll pray for me. Everybody, can I say something to you? There are a lot of people that know you're a Christian besides you and your family. And your life every moment is speaking and preaching a sermon. The question is, what are you communicating by the way you walk and by the way you live? People are watching. And the other question that God asked me and challenged me to share with you guys yesterday is, what thing are you sitting on? What unction has God been pressing you to do that for whatever reason you're so caught up in how it's going to make you look or the ramifications that it could possibly have on you that you're missing an opportunity to give God glory and administer to other people around you? Everybody, to take this next step, and to go to this next chapter, number one, we got to forget about the then. Because a lot of times it's the then, those past experiences that keep us bound up from stepping out on faith and doing what God is calling us to do now. we got to forget about that. God says, believe in the now. I'm moving right now. I'm trying to do something right now. I want to do something new. If you allow me to work in your life right now, give me that space. Here's the last thing I want to say to you. In order to take this next move into the next chapter, we got to trust God for the win. Say, trust God for the win. For my internet people that are listening, that's the W-H-E-N, not the win, the victory, the W-I-N. I know you, that might be a little confusing. Yeah. Verse 19 says it like this. It says, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Somebody say Wilderness. That, that, that word wilderness literally means that place of confusion. 
Somebody say wilderness. That word wilderness literally means uh, that place where it's hard for you to see your way. The, 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 the children of Israel wandered 40 years in the... Yeah, boy, I love this class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's that place where it, it's difficult to navigate because you can't see it. God says you don't have to see it. Just listen to my voice. I, I, I'll make a way in the wilderness. Then he says he'll, he'll make rivers in the desert. Somebody say desert. Desert represents that place of, of, of emptiness. Somebody say desert. Desert represents that place of barrenness, that place of being alone. Anybody know what I'm talking about in the room? Yeah, yeah. You know what it's like to be by yourself. You know what it's like to look around for resources to grab to help you, and, and there seems to be none available. And God is saying, if you trust me, I'll form, I'll form a river in, even in the desert. I'll, I'll allow resources to come that you didn't even expect was going to come the way you thought it was. You thought it was going to come in that person. I sent it through another vehicle, rivers in the desert. And everybody, it takes trust to do this because we don't know how God's going to do it. While we're trying to figure it out, God's already worked it out if we just trust him. And it takes a level of transparency and honesty and openness in order to navigate at this level. And everybody, I guess, since I'm preaching this, I need to lead by example. I'll share this, and I want to precursor this by sharing that um, I've only shared this publicly um, once or twice. This is a very intimate part of me, but I'm, I'm learning as I'm preaching this to you, how to walk this out myself. As a seven-year-old boy from the west side of Chicago, all I ever wanted to do was play football. I realized my dream at 23, played six seasons in the NFL. Anybody know the average NFL career, how long it is? Five years? Two years, a little bit more. Three and a half years is the average NFL career. I played six seasons. So for all practical intents and purposes, everybody, I was a success. I made it. Hey, life didn't get any better than this. I was this guy. And then after my sixth season, everybody, uh, the game was done with me because many times in pro sports, the game is done with you before you're done with it. And um, unfortunately, I need to confess to you guys that I'm a statistic. What is the statistic? The statistic is, everybody, 78% of all NFL players, two and a half years or two years after retirement, I ever broke, divorced, or a combination of the two. That didn't speak to the addictions, the uh, depression, all of those things that go along with it. Retired from football in 02, and because of some bad investment uh, vehicles and not having a solid enough plan, because you know, there's always next year. It's always next year, I just make it back next year. a little over two years, uh, my wife and I, we had to file bankruptcy. We had three children at the time. My wife hadn't worked in seven years. My wife had to go back to work. Um, we had to move from our beautiful four-bedroom home in Addison, Illinois, to a three-bedroom apartment in Melrose Park. Um, it was one of the most depressing, emasculating, humiliating times of my life. And then to top it all off, everybody, uh, my wife, uh, ended up getting pregnant with our fourth child. I was like, you're pregnant? This is the fourth time this has happened to you. What are you doing? How are you doing this? What do you mean you're pregnant? I'm so glad y'all laughed at that. I really meant that to be funny. 
Because kids cost money, amen, somebody. <laughs> but um, I tell you, um, it was a really tough time. But folks, thanks be to God, I'm still here. Yeah, yeah. Fast forward 10 years, uh, my wife, who was working for somebody else, is now working with me. Amen. Yeah. We started uh, a nonprofit uh, called Array of Hope on Earth, and, and the hot thing or the new thing, the next chapter, is we've developed uh, an initiative to help athletes better transition from the game to the next season of their life where they don't have to deal with divorce or bankruptcy or depression or addiction. We've formed a team where we got a whole bunch of professionals that's helping them navigate a 12-month process of discipleship, coaching, counseling, all of that kind of stuff, and leadership to help them realize that, hey, what happened in the past is in the past, but this next chapter and this new season of your life is even better than the one that you're coming out of because God is with you even in this place. Amen? Now, do we have it all figured out? No, we don't have it all figured out. Guys, we're literally still trusting God for the win. We're trusting God for the resource. We're trusting God for the funding for this. We're trusting God for the partnerships. We don't have it all together. But I'm trusting God in the midst of this. And so as I'm teaching this to you, I need y'all to know that we're walking this out by faith too. It takes trust. Many times, everybody, God didn't just lay it out for us and then say walk in. No, he says go. And as you go, I'll add and provide the steps. And everybody, as we journey into 2015, as we take the step into this next chapter, uh, the pages are still yet to be written in your story. And God is anxious to write a new part. But in order for that to happen, we got to, number one, we got to forget about the then. You can reminisce. You can learn from it. It's important to learn from the past. Just don't stay stuck. Believe in the now. God is working now, doing new things now. And then, everybody, we just got to trust God for the win. He will do it if we got the faith and the courage to trust him. Amen? Let's pray right there. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. God, I pray, Lord, that as this word was challenging to me, God, it was challenging to your people. Lord, that it spoke uh, and, it, and it permeated something in them. God, that they would be people of courage. They would be people of faith. They would be people that would dare to trust you, God, with what you want to do in their life. God, you're always wanting to do something new. And even the challenges that they may face, God, you have a purpose even in that. And so I pray, God, in this next season, in this new chapter, God, that we trust you and allow you to do what only you can do. And, God, we be ever careful to give your name the praise, glory, and honor for the awesome things that you do, God. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, Parkview.